This is the Nobody's Project. This is episode whatever episode I put this in. And all right, quiet on set over there. And uh, today we have Carly Boone, a filmmaker, a, you know, just storyteller, I would say, um, and a lover of horror, which is something I am not. So that's going to be super fun. <laughs> but I always like to start with two questions. The first question is, what do you do for money? And then what do you do for art? So for my day job, what I do to make actual physical money, I am a barista. Uh, I work at a coffee shop slash bakery. And for my actual art that I do not get paid to make yet, uh, I am a filmmaker. Sweet. Um, so let's just get right into it because I think this is like the main meat of it all is the current project you're working on, Night Shift. Yes. Uh, do you want to just give everybody an overview of what that is? I want to go deeper into it, but I want to hear f from you. Like, what is this project to you? Not just what's it about, but what is it to you? Yeah, so um, Night Shift is a, it's a coming-of-age horror short um, that I have been in development for uh, for about six, eight months now. Um, and beyond it just being... A short film project that I've been working on for a while. Um, it's kind of my debut into uh, filmmaking as an independent artist. Um, I have done a lot of work um, closely collaborating with other people that I went to school with and uh, this is kind of my first like solo endeavor and um, because of that it has a lot of importance to me, um, a lot of uh, emotional attachment to the the project and the story and the characters and um, it's also kind of a big deal for me because I graduated during the pandemic from college and I have felt kind of like stifled in my creativity and just being able to just feeling like I couldn't really make art for a long time, whether it was because I couldn't handle the, the prospect of making a film during the pandemic with all of the other complica complications that come with um, film production on top of dealing with COVID protocols and all that, but um, also because it was just very, very daunting emotionally to kind of get back in that headspace of wanting to create and feeling like that was like feeling like I had a story to tell that was important enough to pay attention to when the rest of the world is kind of just fucking falling apart. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, the one thing I want to latch on with that is you said getting your headspace in the right space, all that good stuff. Um, I always like to talk about like your worst rut and at least with me, how I operate, and with a lot of the people I know how I operate, mm -hmm. it kind of comes in waves. And yeah. you said production for six to seven months. How do you not fall into a rut? How do you not, or do you just keep going? Like where, how do you keep going with Night Shift? And I'd also like you to go into some of like the nitty gritty of like how you get something like this off the ground, yeah. especially with those ruts, with yeah. the headspace, with everything going on in the world. Night shift is me coming out of my rut. That's okay. that's like what is kind of the crazy thing. And that's kind of why I feel like I should be an artist. And like I do have a story to tell because I was really fucking depressed and dealing with a lot of um, stuff in my personal life last year 
that was really, really holding me back from being able to kind of reconnect to things that I love, like horror and watching movies and uh, telling stories. And um, so Night Shift was a very cathartic way for me to tap back into that. And um, I don't really have like any sound advice or like, I, I really don't know how I did it. I just kind of like woke up one morning and I was like, I'm sick of being depressed and not doing anything about it. So I need to fucking make something and I need to start right now. So yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's, that's always the hardest part. There's no one okay, well, you just go to this place, they'll fix it for you, and then you just make your shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, it has been, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, it's just making that conscious choice, like, every single morning when I wake up to be driven and be ambitious and to just pursue what I want to do with my life, even when I don't have anyone else supporting me or encouraging me or telling me that I should do this I have to be the one to kind of it needs to come from like deep down inside of me so it's it's challenging every single day but I just kind of have to keep pushing because this is my passion and this is my dream and this is what I want to do with my life and uh going back to like how I kind of got all of this off the ground um I've made horror films before I've made stuff in college I made two horror shorts that kind of you know like went around the festival circuit a little bit and it was just kind of it was a good way for me to meet people it was a good way for me to kind of find my voice um but a lot of stuff happened in between me making my last project and me kind of embarking on this new endeavor um individually and really the first thing that I needed to do was find just one person to help me and (laughs) one person having somebody who holds you accountable yeah is absolutely massive one person to believe in me and support me and you know like I have a very loving partner like it's not like he wasn't doing those things but I needed a creative to kind of stand by my side so I'm I'm super super grateful to my co-writer Shade Standard who um, I had worked on a previous script with in 2020 that we kind of you know like made the first draft it didn't really go anywhere we kind of like fell off of it and I was like I don't really know if we can make this and for me if I don't really see a possibility of being able to create something in a a reasonable timeline, um, whether it's because of like a a location or like a special effect or whatever it may be, budget, that's hard for me to kind of like want to continue moving forward with that. So we, we had the script, we kind of stepped back from it and then Like I said, I I was going through this really like big transitional period in my life and Shade knew that I had, you know, spent time with her, like venting about it to her. And finally, I just like woke up. I had this idea and I texted her and I was like, I think this is our next thing. And I think we should write this together. And I feel like we both have really valid things to say in this genre as women as food service workers and uh yeah you're taking yeah. my question right away from me i was gonna <laughs> say like i'm always interested like i said before i am not a scary movie person yeah. but i love reading about like the stories you mm-hmm. know everything like that 
where does the horror stuff come from you? So one of my favorite bands is the Front Bottoms. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing is a lot of his songs are very sad. Mm-hmm. But when you talk to him, he's a very happy-go-lucky person because he said he gets it all out with his songs. Is that somewhat similar with the horror? Like, how did Night Shift come about? Uh, I've saw some things where it is based off some personal experience, but I'd love to hear your mindset and maybe speak to, you know, the horror community maybe as a whole. Where do these stories come from and how do you get to these places? Yeah, so for me, when I was kind of developing Night Shift, I... I literally pulled out a pen and paper and I was like, what scares me <laughs> and what makes me mad and what what pulls out like very visceral, strong emotions out of me and what experiences have done that to me. And I have been working in food service as a young woman since I was 16. And especially during the pandemic, it's been real fucking hard. It's been very mentally and emotionally taxing, like even more than in years prior. And um, so I was thinking a lot about that and I was feeling a lot of anger and grief and just being lost, honestly, like having no fucking idea what I wanted to do, what stories I wanted to tell, what lens I wanted to tell it from. And I, I love horror because I, it's, it's cathartic for me. Like it really truly is. It's a way for me to express all of those emotions that I feel like I sometimes can't in real life. And it's kind of a way for me to like, (laughs) like, write characters that can do or say what I've always wanted to like for example like Night Shift is about a waitress who kind of like gets to get back at a a person in her life and a customer uh, at her job that has been demeaning and terrible to her for a long long time and I mean fuck That's something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be able to just get back at the people that wronged me and doing it in like a fictional narrative is just kind of the only way that I can really do that. (laughs) Yeah, and it also sounds like there's so many ties to like almost like superhero-esque stuff where it's like, you know, a vigilante almost. But I I like the supernatural twist uh, from the horror side of it. So going off of that what are some of your inspirations going into it now i'm not going to know a lot of them yeah but but please explain to me like what they are why they're why they are what they are yeah so i mean there's there's a lot of inspiration behind night shift like there's my own personal experience as you know a woman in the restaurant Mm. industry um and also just you know my living as a woman in general my experience um just being you know kind of seen as a second class citizen at times in this world and living in a world that really truly just feels like it was not built for me or for Mm -hmm. my being able to succeed um so there's a lot of a lot of personal emotions going into it um but as far as like film inspiration um there's like three big key inspirations that I've uh kind of hit so there's like 
modern feminist horror, which is kind of my favorite subgenre of horror. Like I love women. I love seeing women <laughs> get back at people that yeah. have wronged them in whatever sense it may be. Um, so that's that's always been really inspiring to me, and I feel like women particularly just have a very complex relationship with horror like we haven't always been portrayed in a very flattering light um so I wanted to make sure that I was able to kind of like counteract that with my own stories um beyond that I was really inspired by like the 1980s specifically I've always been really attracted to the aesthetic of the 1980s um it's now, also what is that aesthetic is it it's what it's called like what is like slasher in that yeah so that, sl- <laughs> somewhat, somewhat in that i know it's not, I'm, not stupid, I'm gonna just take it slasher so slashers are like a subgenre of right. horror which yes granted like we're is that super the 80s? is that where the, yeah okay. no totally like right. that was totally like a big thing in the 80s it's still a big thing today um i i love like the the texture like the the kind of like visuals that come with 80s specifically 80s horror it's very like bright neon lights and like uh I love the quality of like film itself like I I would love to shoot something on film one day it probably won't happen for a while but I'm I've always been very attracted to that um and the 80s especially is kind of known as like the the golden age of like practical special effects too and that is definitely one of my favorite parts of horror as a filmmaker but also as an audience member I love seeing just things get absolutely torn apart (laughs) Um, I love monsters I love like out of the box just crazy shit on screen and the 80s was like the pinnacle of it Um, like I remember I I got to see An American Werewolf in London um, from 1981, which is a huge point of inspiration for Night Shift for me. I got to see that at the Hollywood Theater, and Rick Baker, the special effects artist, did a Q&A afterwards. Oh, wow. And I was very, very inspired after seeing that and just, just being able to watch that film, especially projected on, I think it was 35 millimeter. Um, so I, I feel really connected to the 80s. Um, and I love kind of what that era did for horror. It kind mm-hmm. of took it in less of a dramatic kind of direction and took it a little bit further into the the humor and the campiness, yeah, yeah. which is what I really like to achieve with my films is I want it to have, I want there to be, like definitely an emotional undertone to it and I want it to be smart but I also want it to be kind of funny and kind yeah. of um have that lightness to it that I feel like 80s horror just perfected okay. honestly um and then there's also like 80s teen movies which I right. grew up on I'm sure so many people did like you know Ferris Bueller Fast Times at Ridgemont High um producers loving that one (laughs) um and my my parents were in high school in like 1985 so I got to talk to them about just their experiences um being a teenager during that time period and I'm you know 
definitely kind of jealous in a way that they got to experience that, even if it didn't feel like it was that cool for them in the moment. Right. Um, just like I probably, you know, I didn't think growing up in 2016 was all that cool either. Um, right. And now there's movies where they're like, we're in high school. I'm like, that's not high school. That's, oh, that's, yeah. not, that's not the 80s anymore. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I I wanted to kind of like combine all of this like, you know, modern feminist horror and the 1980s and kind of take a lot of those qualities but still try to twist it into something that was, like, original and fresh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just viewing your little short spect that you made, uh, it's very evident that the 80s are coming through. Yeah. Uh, so you did a great job with that. <laughs> especially you. the set, everything like that. Uh, we're going to dive in even more uh, into, like, I want to know kind of how that all came about, everything mm-hmm. like that. We're going to take a really quick break cool. uh, make sure everything's working well. All right. Well, there wasn't a technical issue. There was a small technical issue. But we're back, and now we're going to talk about uh, your least favorite project uh, that you've ever done. Maybe it's the project you were the most excited about that didn't end up being what you thought it was going to be or just something you were super stoked on that now you're kind of just sad about. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I definitely have something in mind. So back in... I think it was October, it was fall 2019, um, I got my first kind of big movie that I was going to work on. I was an intern, I'm not going to say what the movie was, um, but it had a lead actor in it who is probably my favorite actor of all time. Very big deal. I I basically shit my pants when I heard that I was going to get to work on it. And um, there were some there were some really amazing parts of it. I don't want to totally like bash on the thing, but there are a lot of um, trials and tribulations that come with, you know, being an unpaid intern. Um, You're not necessarily like the most highly valued person (laughs) on the crew. And especially for this, I was feeling it hard a lot. Um, especially because I had been a part of it since, uh, like pre-production. So I was in the office and everything. And, um, there was this one experience I had that kind of just absolutely crushed me and made me not want to go back to set later that week. Um, I was working in the production office and my, uh, production coordinator came over to me and, um, basically told me you're going to Eugene today and it was like 3 p.m. and I was like what (laughs) you're making me drive to Eugene and he's like which is how far it's like it's like two and a half hours I assume you were in Portland yes yeah so it was like two and a half hours south had to come back the next uh you know in the same day and I was like okay um and he was like yeah so you need to drive um the person who is going to be driving our stars trailer. Um, they're also the animal trainer, but that's, that doesn't matter. Um, so I got thrown in my car at 3 PM and I had to drive down to Eugene with a complete stranger who did not speak to me literally the entire time we were driving. (laughs) And to make it even worse, 
she was vaping in my car, which I I don't care about, but she was trying to hide it. And that's what really pissed <laughs> me off. Where, she, where's it gonna go? <laughs> she had it in her pocket and I kept seeing her. Like the I think you should leave bit? Yeah, With no. the hot dog? <laughs> yeah. Yes! <laughs> Literally, literally that, but we were in an enclosed car and I'm like, I can see the cloud of vape juice that you just blew all over my interior. I would love to know that she's not talking to you the entire time, but you are talking to her the whole time. Oh no, I was definitely like putting an effort because like we were working on this cool movie. I was like, oh my God, how did you get involved in this? Like you're an animal trainer and you're driving the trailer. Like how did you get wrapped up into this? I was... I was trying. Um, I stopped trying about halfway through, and I think she uh, finally, I think she just fell asleep after a while. Like, the vape just hit her a little too hard, I guess. But, yeah, so we drove in complete silence for, like, probably about an hour and a half, two hours. And then I literally, she got out of my car, and I just drove right back to Portland. And it was, like, a five- or six-hour round trip. Oof. And... I didn't get like paid for it or anything, no obviously. I think they did reimburse okay. our gas, but I it's mean, he, the way they were pitching it to me though, was that I was going to like make money by getting reimbursed for gas. Like because they like re- they're doing you a because favor. they give you so much more money for the gas than what you actually pay for, which is just kind of bullshit. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was weird. It definitely wasn't like, the worst i'm sure i will have worse experiences that's what kind of makes this question hard is like i feel like i've only scratched the surface as far yeah. as like shitty experiences i can have especially on film sets when like i'm honestly most of the time the only young woman or one of the few young women that is on set with me um so yeah i feel like there's more to come <laughs> You sound so optimistic about it. Um, hopefully, all your experiences are good going forward. And I like the idea that you're, you know, taking into your own hands to make your own stuff. Um, yes. Speaking of that, where did you get, like, how did you get started? Did you just have a camera? Were you a kid who always had a camera, always making little movies? Uh, just take me through your origin story real quick. Yeah, my villain origin yeah. story. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely was, ar- like, always a storyteller in some way, shape, or form. Like, from a very young age, like, I always drew, I always wrote. Um, I always, like, I had a camcorder and my best friend and I, like, I remember we had, like, one of the earliest iMovie, um, versions and even before that we would do that thing where you, like, record stuff on your camcorder and then you pause it and then you, like, go get a different angle and then you just play it all back on the camcorder and it's like, oh, you made a little movie, it's so cute, um, So, yeah, I did a lot of that, like, all throughout, like, my childhood and middle school. Like, I would make, like, little music videos to, like, like, there was, like, a Lana Del Rey song that I remember I was obsessed with. And I was like, we need to make, like, a music video for this. Like, it's just hitting too hard. I need to get these emotions out. And it was a lot of that kind of stuff until I, like, got into high school and I started to get fucking embarrassed of it. And I was like... You weren't showing those videos in high school? (laughs) No. No, I I definitely, like, kind of fell off the creative end when I was in high school and I was like, I'm going to be a 
biologist. Like I was dead set on like, I'm going to be like in STEM for some reason. Um, Cause I was always like in the AP classes and stuff. So I was like, yeah, that's just, that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. Um, and then I got into college and I, you know, I, I'm from Phoenix originally. Okay. So I moved to Portland and I was just like suddenly surrounded by all of these incredible artists like of all mediums of all skill level and it was so inspiring and also like our uh you know the appreciation for film here is so much deeper and wider spread than in phoenix where i'm from so that was also a big kind of like tipping point for me to finally be like yeah, this is actually, I think, what I what I need to pursue. Like, right. I don't really see so myself did you being happy did, any other way. Did you come up here for to do biology in college? Or no. in some kind of STEM in college? Or did you <laughs> take it? Because I was, I was going to ask, because you said right after I graduated, and I was like, all right, did you go to film school? Yeah. But it seems like your high school did not lead to... No, okay. no. I didn't do anything creative in high school. I had my nose in books, like... That's creative non Non-stop, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, when I wasn't, like, getting high in my parents' backyard and watching weird cinema, like, by myself, right. I never did anything or, like, shared that love, really, with many other people. Um, and, yeah, I, I was, like, all through high school, I was like, I got to figure out what I want to do. Um, I was gonna, I wanted to be a vet for a while. And then I wanted to go into, I got really into Spanish. So I was like, I'm going to go into international studies. And I almost like went and studied abroad for a year. And then I like backed out of it. I was just very indecisive and I could not get my shit together. You were 18 or 19 years old. Exactly. You shouldn't shouldn't be expected to make a life deciding role in your whole life. The pressure is very stupid already. So I came, I I went to Portland State with an international studies degree. um, And I basically took one term of classes like that. And I was like, I don't even see what I could do with this that I would find interesting or engaging for an extended period of time at all. And that was also the first term when I was like, I'm going to take a film class. That sounds fun. And it just kind of like changed my whole world, honestly. Like it sounds stupid, but it really was just like, it was like this epiphany where I had, like, I remember I called my mom and I was like, mom I'm so sorry like I don't want to disappoint you guys but like I have to do this like I need to get my degree in something that I'm passionate about because that that's that's what I care about at the end of the day and they were really supportive of it so yeah that's great um I always like to say like no shame you found your passion I'm extremely jealous that you found it while you're in college I went to school as an art major. Mm-hmm. Within a semester, I dropped out of that art school, and my parents supported me through that, yeah. which I'm, like, upset. I'm like, why would you let me go to art school? That was such a waste of time. But I wish I had the same, uh, let's call it, uh, like, determination, because yeah. I took a film class, fell in love, like, didn't realize how much I fell in love with it. I went, all right, great, I'll just get this sports management degree and oh. get out of here. <laughs> well... I probably should have, you know, shifted gear. So yeah, <laughs> uh, that's what you, I think you did it the better route, even though it might have taken you a little bit to 
to find it, mm-hmm. at least you found it. Especially when you're in school. That's especially my massive. freshman year. I was like, God, if I can oh, just, just if I can year? just get oh, a, no time yeah, wasted. I was like, if I can just you get sounded a little like you're like senior year. Oh no, 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 like, no. This was like my first term of school. I, oh, was, I was immediately like, fuck this. I take I'm some not. of that compliment. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, at least I found that, and I did stick with that through the rest of of college and everything. And I mean, hopefully now for the rest of my life, like I figured it out and. I mean, I still, like, struggle with it, obviously. Like, we're going right. to talk about imposter syndrome. But right. at the end of the day, I'm like, at least I got my degree in something that I know I, I love. And I got, right. to, I got to spend many years just being immersed in that, which yeah. was incredible. Right. Yeah, and then you got sped out into the real world, um, which <laughs> is always a shock for in everybody. 20, 2021. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is rough yeah so (laughs) so where do you go from that into getting like night shift going it's at at the very least you can say that you have that spec that looks awesome all that good stuff that you can shop around do all that Mm -hmm. stuff how did you get that going from graduate high school high school college and now you're you're trying to get funding for this short yeah So, I mean, graduating college was, like, really weirdly just didn't feel like it even happened. Anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah, extremely anticlimactic. Just literally turned a paper in at 11.59 on a Friday, and I was like, all right, I'm done. I got my my, uh, degree in the mail, like, six months later, and that was it. So it felt really weird, and it didn't feel like I ever – I mean – so many people in my, you know, like age group experienced that, but it just felt like I never really officially got to close that chapter of my right. life and move on. It felt like I, I wasn't ready. Like I really didn't feel like I was ready to be done with it because especially my last year yeah. of school had been all online and I just didn't feel like I got what I wanted out of college. Um, so there was a lot of kind of, grief wrapped up in feeling like I had kind of had this this opportunity especially your your senior year of college when you're making that's when you're supposed to make your thesis and make all these networking connections how did that work with like making your senior final project I didn't do a thesis oh yeah talk about anticlimactic yeah no like I literally made nothing for a year and a half like it was really stifling and there were so many reasons it was like you know not having the resources not having the people like available to want people didn't want to make anything for a long time which was like completely understandable but it was super It, it doesn't mean it's not frustrating yeah it was super frustrating so there was a lot of just like I said grief wrapped up in feeling like I didn't really get to take advantage of everything that I had offered to me at school. And I, you know, it was like, I lost this huge community all at the same time. And so that was really, really hard to deal with. And so I graduated and I didn't know what was going to happen next. There, you know, I knew there were things that were in production, like here in Portland, but I just didn't really know how to get my foot in the door. Like I had worked on sets. I knew these people, but I was like, no one's reaching out. Like nothing. Oh, nobody will. Nothing's happening. No one wants, like no one's reaching out to me. No one's offering me jobs. Like I literally just got to this point where I was like, 
pissed off. I was like, <laughs> I need to do something. I need to work in film. I need to do something creative. And no one's knocking on my door trying to get me on their set to work on their project, whatever it was. And so finally I was like, I clearly just need to make something that is my project and try to get other people wrangled into it because no one's doing that yeah. around me. And so that was kind of like my whole mindset behind wanting to start a new film was I wanted to finally like, I needed to create a new platform for myself. I needed to like rediscover my voice and who I was as a creative. But I also really, really wanted to kind of have this platform for other people to make art with me. And yeah. like film is so collaborative. It's never something I would try to do alone. <laughs> um, and I don't recommend people do that. Um, Cause you're probably not going to get like a great product out of it. So I was really determined and just knowing that that was the route I needed to take. I was like, I need to just, I've always believed really deeply and like, don't wait for opportunities to come to you. Like yeah. you need to make your own opportunity. And I've tried really hard, even when I was in college to always do that and to always launch my own thing. Um, so night shift happened and I, I started with just first wrangling in my co-writer to to write it with me and uh from there I just kind of you know social media as much as it fucking sucks oh, to have get to into use that, yeah. it um it is also a huge blessing when you are trying to find people who are like-minded have similar yeah. styles I mean, and values exactly you're, you're show here. yeah <laughs> exactly like it's it can also be a really beautiful way to to meet people and um find collaborators so i literally just started like posting shit on instagram and just saying like i have this concept i want to make something who's interested like who wants nice. to help so very i mean in this day and age grassroots yeah oh yeah. i would say very much grassroots yeah like and I, I knew, you know, some people already, but I'd say a majority of the people that are working on night shift with me are people I have known and have never had a chance to collaborate with, or they're just complete, complete new people, like people mm -hmm. who even moved to Portland, like during the pandemic that I never really would have had a way to meet, like they didn't go to PSU or anything like that. Right. So I, I just had this opportunity to meet all of these new faces that I had never been exposed to before. So that was that was really cool. And I'm still like so baffled by the amount of support and just people that have like rallied around like this stupid idea that I came up with like, right. in October <laughs> of last year. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. Don't beat yourself up. That's a stupid <laughs> idea. But I do the same thing. It's like, oh, this dumb project that yeah. I'm doing. So like when diminish it's just it. you, it's super easy to tell yourself that. And it's yeah. it's hard to get to that point where you're like, I'm passionate about this. I'm excited about this. I think this is a really cool story. And this is a story that deserves to be told. But it's like the pitch. The pitching it to mm -hmm. other people is always where the challenge comes in. Right. And uh, with all that, I'm sure imposter syndrome never rears its head. So how does imposter syndrome affect, like, especially pitching and now with your campaign to fund this thing? Yeah. Like, where is imposter syndrome sitting with it all? So I feel like for me, 
it's it's never been the fact that like I I don't think I'm talented or that I don't have a voice because I I believe pretty deeply that I do and that I I am someone who you know deserves to have ears open to them honestly but it's always hard to not compare yourself to other people especially people who are you know like working in the same genre as I am or just other indie filmmakers like people that I went to to college with where I'm like how are you like in LA and you're working on these big feature films or like how did you make this crowdfunding goal for your short film like it, it's it's really really hard to not get caught up in just like the how and the what and right. why you and not me and like social media exemplifies that and yeah. amplifies it absolutely in, in your face every single day if you let it yeah but social media is also a firm part of all of this especially yeah. with your campaign and everything like that one question that i always ask somebody when i do these interviews but i feel like i know your answer because of the community aspect of it is mm -hmm. would you take your following that you currently have right now or tomorrow you wake up and there's a million new people <laughs> granted those million people could always unfollow you tomorrow after they see what you post would you take your current following that's a little, maybe a little more loyal or would you take a million strangers? I mean, if I knew a million strangers that had $15 a piece, I might okay. have my, my movie funded by now, but. <laughs> so <laughs> um, that's a yes, yeah. I, you know, there it's, it's a hard question to answer fully either way because like I do have, I, I don't even really, I can't really say I have like a following right sure. now, but like the people that do support me are like very adamant about their support for me and have really rallied around me and have really like been so encouraging and just like kind people and if anything I would I just want more of that like I don't want people to just like comment on my stuff and be like this is cool or like just like oh you're so inspiring like I don't want like just blanket praise I want people to feel connected to like me as a person and right. what I'm trying to accomplish. I don't really care about just having like eyes on the project right. or like just, yeah. yeah, like blanket support. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, so the other thing that I didn't ask you about is so clearly um, like in the same boat, I, my whole job isn't doing the things I'm actually passionate about. Like if I, if I had it my way, I'd be doing this project full time. Yeah. Right. But, uh, how do you balance like your time with, obviously you got to make money, you got to live. And then, uh, as well as the question of, do you think getting paid to do your art would hurt your art? So what about your time? And then what about getting paid for the art? Yeah. So, I mean, having time to like put into my creative projects is something that I, always struggle yeah. with um i am grateful that i'm you know still young enough to where i can kind of just survive off of working like 25 hours nice. a week at my coffee shop job and kind of just try to live cheaply and modestly and put every you know scent that i do have to spare into those creative endeavors um but there's also like many times where I just 
you just can't have both. So it's, it's a struggle to balance it. Um, if I got paid to do the shit that I do for free now, <laughs> y'all, the yeah. world would be different. <laughs> like I would be taking things over. I really feel like if I just had the, the fiscal like help to, um, continue to do what like I said I've already been doing for free and as a passion on the side for so long I could really like take my art to the next level and like no surprise film making is super fucking expensive <laughs> especially you don't because <laughs> I, I I want to make sure that I am not just doing it for myself like I really do believe that when I'm making a project like Night Shift, it's not just about me. It's not just about getting my career to the next level. I want that to happen for everyone that's on my crew. And I believe super deeply in being able to, um, you know, compensate the people that are helping me right. in whatever, how, with however much I can offer them. And like, I try to offer you know, as much as I possibly can. Um, but that that's really important to me is, yeah, being able to not just have this be be my thing. I want it to be everyone on my team's project and I want to be able to support everyone kind of being able to like take their career to the next level. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, it's perfectly in line with what we're trying to do here as well. Yeah. So I absolutely love that. So we're going to get into a couple of like quicker, quick fire little, cool. little questions. I always say that. And then I have like three or four questions. <laughs> it's not a lot. Um, the first one is, uh, if you could have one actor, anybody being something you make, who, who would you want to like direct? Nicholas Cage. Okay. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Um, your favorite horror movie of all time? Yeah, that's a tough uh, one. Right? <laughs> why do you have to ask me that? Um, okay, I uh, American Werewolf in London. Okay, yeah, I have to say it. Um, your favorite horror movie that's terrible, but you love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tammy and the T Rex. Interesting. <laughs> that sounds wild. It's hilarious. You should go watch it. <laughs> okay. Um, a suggestion for somebody who is deeply afraid of horror movies because I don't like being afraid. Watch, watch funny horror movies. There's so many. Give me, give me the best one. Oh, Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> okay. Double answer there. Um, uh, why do you do roller derby? Because that's a whole nother thing we didn't even know. Yeah. About. <laughs> um, I needed to get my aggression out some way, and that was the, the healthiest way I could think of doing it. And also, I like to just learn new skills. And also, roller derby is super, like, all about just inclusivity and people of any size, any color, any body shape, like, athletic ability. You can do roller derby. And it's yeah. super, like, female-oriented, which sure. I love. Um when I asked you a place that we can record that you're the most comfortable in, you instantly went to a cemetery, which is why we are in a cemetery. <laughs> uh, you want to explain that decision? <laughs> I mean, look at how beautiful it is here. It's so beautiful and it's so peaceful. And I mean, I this is actually my first time ever hanging out in Lone Fur specifically, but I mean... 
coming from someone who lived in the desert, I love like getting to sit in parks of like mm-hmm. any any type. Well, Portland's a dream for you. No, right? exactly. Yeah. I never got that when I was growing up. So just being able to like casually roll up to a cemetery and be around. I don't know. Just like all of the, it's just peaceful. It really is. Yeah. Like I don't have anything like super, like. It's not because I like to be around dead people or anything yeah. like that. I mean, it'd be cool to, like, see a ghost or something. But I really just think it's so beautiful out here. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, do you ever see yourself or do you want to, like, move to L.A. to pursue it? No. Okay. It's it's never been on my radar, honestly. I think if I was to move anywhere for filmmaking, I would want to go to Vancouver, British Columbia, mm-hmm. because I really genuinely love vancouver yeah i the backdrop of like every movie yeah Yeah. no exactly i i love like what has been filmed in vancouver and i love the just vibe of the city i detest la like i truly do (laughs) especially like i like from coming from phoenix which is also a disgustingly hot very sprawling urban city i have no interest in going back to that. I did 18 years. I did my time. <laughs> I'm ready to like be in the green and just like have nice quality air and good drinking water. Like that's yeah. great. <laughs> I'm down for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, love that. And then the last question I like to ask everybody is, do you think you'll make it big and however you want to define that? Yeah, I mean, making making it big, I don't even really know what that would look like for me. Um, I, I would love to have an opportunity to make, like, a feature. Like, that's really definitely on my radar is to make a feature, like, by the time I'm 30. So I have a while, but um, I... I don't know. I I would like to think so. And making it big doesn't mean I need to like be famous or anything. It really just is like, it's more internal. Yeah. I, I want to be able to share my art with a wider audience, I would say. And I want to be able to connect with more people who feel connected to the stories that I'm trying to tell and, you know, the horror community and just, just be able to share my love of cinema with more people because I can always, I always want to meet more people that can share their love of art with me, like in any capacity. And if I could do that on a bigger platform one day, that would be incredible. Great. Um, well, while it's not a massive uh, platform right now, some of the stuff we do want to do is have people be able to ask you the stuff that I didn't ask you, that maybe you know our article didn't ask you, anything like that. So there'll be lots of opportunity for that. But I do want to have you just plug anything that you want to plug. It's going to mostly be this night yeah. shift. In. <laughs> um, but yeah, and like where you can, where we can find you, everything like that. Um, but yeah, anything you want All to right. plug, Should go I look for at the it. camera? Go for it. Okay. Whichever cool. one you want to look at. All right. Listen up. If you liked what we were just talking about and you want to support me, um, you can follow me on Instagram at Carly underscore Boone. Uh, you can follow my upcoming short film at night.shift.short. Or you can go follow me on Twitter, I guess, uh, Carly underscore Boone, because I share more stupid shit on there and... It's a fun time. So, yeah. Cool. Well, (laughs) thank you for coming on. And I'm super excited to see Night Shift when it does get funded. I'm sure it will. Um, 
But yeah, thank you for uh, coming on. Thank you. This Sweet. was so fun. Sweet. Should be out. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. If you want more information on this artist, you can find it on our website, nobodiesproject.com. You can follow us on Spotify as well as on our socials at the Nobody's Project on Instagram. But more importantly, we want you to be a part of this community and you do this by submitting your artwork to us. Uh, We want the things that you're the most stoked on, maybe things that you're too nervous to show anybody else, but we want all of it. And you can do that by submitting your artwork at submit at the nobody's project.com. And we promise to look at every single person's artwork who is submitted and everybody at the nobody's project will give you honest and heartfelt uh, feedback. And thank you for being here and checking out the nobody's project.